Yeah. No. Nothing. Nobody's read anything. Okay. Then it's my sorry lot to continue. Right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what we find with the novel, of course, is a new twist. Right? Or what Aristotle would call a peripatia. Right? And when we come to, that's in the second part. It's about chapter 3, uh, three and 4 where we have some very interesting things that are happening in the novel, right? Interesting, of course, uh, in a kind of... So we had this idea of character analysis for one, right? And uh, we had the idea of uh, uh, Harriet Smith being not well and uh, slowly she's become well and uh, uh, Jane goes out with her, uh, sorry, uh, Emma goes out with her, etc. Then last time we were introduced to two or three other or three or four other characters that is Mrs. Bates, Miss Bates, right? And Jane Fairfax, right? And uh, the idea of Mr. Dixon and the Churchills, right? Yeah. So we were introduced to a lot of more characters, many of whom were absentee characters, right? And the idea was that Jane was coming back and whose Jane becomes uh, a kind of the discourse that uh, Emily, uh, what's the name, uh, Austin, uh, Jane Austen is actually uh, uh, very sophisticated in handling, considering that it's the early kind of novel that is written. It's, it's early in the history of the novel, right? But she's still handling it very sophisticatedly. She's talking about Jane Fairfax and then afterwards she slowly dis uh, lets us discover who Jane F Fairfax was, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, now we have uh, a new kind of twist, right? And you have a, a, a new, uh, some news which is uh, shoved upon uh, Emma, right? That is Mrs. Bates and Mrs. and Miss Miss uh, sorry Miss Bates and Fair, uh, Jane Fairfax come and visit Emma, right? And they come in with some uh, kind of juicy news, right? And this is exactly where the gossip begins, right? Yeah. And the juicy news is, and this is what happens in all small small towns, right? Yeah. And it's about somebody who's getting married to Mr. Elton, right? And that's a person called Mrs. Hayworth, right? Am I right? Miss Hayworth, right? Not Mrs. Sorry for that. Yeah. Uh, am I right about the name? Uh, yeah. Am I right about the name? Or somebody can tell me if I'm right. Where did I get it? Mr. Hawkins, sir. Yeah, Hawkins, not Hayworth. Hayworth, Hayworth. Uh, okay, fine. Hayworth is a place in England, right? It's Hawkins, right? Yeah, fine. And what's interesting is uh, you, you also have the idea of Mr. Knightley, right? And he giving his kind of point of view, right? And Emma giving her, right? Yeah. And they're talking about. Um, uh, the idea of Jane and all that kind of thing, 
right? Yeah. Uh, he had been used to think to her unjust to Jane and how and and now great pleasure is making an improvement, right? Yeah. Now we had in the last chapter that we saw that uh, you have this idea of up and down, right? Which I'm sorry for using it in that way, but the idea is who's up and who's down culturally, right? And that's something that this woman called Emma is up to, right? Emma is actually trying to talk about who's up and who's down, right? And this is about culture, right? Who is acquired culture? Who is more cultured? Okay, and Emma likes to think that she has got the pride of place in this small town or this small little place, right? And she is the, the most cultured of all, right? She tries to uh, control the, the life of Harriet, right? She tries to play all that kind of thing in the first... And of course she gets a lesson or karma catches up very quickly because uh, the kind of proposal she makes uh, Harriet uh, refuse the proposal of Robert Martin, right? Yeah, and very soon she uh, and she makes Harriet try to uh, get entangled or uh, a, try for a match for Harriet with Mr. Elton, right? Yeah, and what is interesting is that uh, gets a backseat because or that gets into trouble because Elton is actually interested in her, right, and not in uh, Harriet, right? So that that's something that goes off. And then the next bit is the visit to the Bateses and uh, the idea of Jane Fairfax, right? So that's one bit that happens. And the other bit which is uh, important over here is that they're talking about how they're talking about manners and culture, right? Yeah, so it's actually that the emotions are one thing and uh, this neoclassical kind of behavior which we've already seen, right, is something that's still lingering on, right? And you have the hatred, right, that you feel because somebody's higher than you, okay, or the jealousy and hatred or some kind of very complex kind of uh, emotion, uh, emotions which are uh, twisted together is something that we actually see, right? Yeah, we find this kind of discomfort in Emma in uh, chapter 2 of the uh, second part of the novel, right? And she gets up to go away because she finds that it's taking too much, okay, on her, right? And uh, the other thing is uh, you have her father and Mr. Knightley, Mr. George Knightley, making comments about her attitude to Jane Fairfax, right? Yeah. So one of the things that happens over here is the idea of uh, there's a kind of a stereotype of men and women created, right? And uh, not really in favor of women, right? At one level, right? Because what they're trying to do is. Uh, it's as if uh, the men don't have all these problems, right? Okay, and probably men actually do have a lot of these problems. If you talk about 
well, that person is up and this person is down. I, I'm sure that men too will have these kind of problems, right? But it's actually that, uh, yeah, if, if somebody talks better than you, right? If somebody is more educated, if somebody has got a better job, yeah, perhaps all those things will affect men, right? Yeah, but uh, by and large, uh, we don't have too many jobs over here at this point of time, right? The idea of uh, England being uh, an industrial world hasn't really happened in the way it would happen a little later, right? Yeah, but at the same time, what what is counted for culture, what is counted for wealth, and what is counted for culture is what is important, right? How do you behave? Because the model is the aristocratic model, right? Over here in India, it's something that you are born to, and that's something called caste, right? But over here, it's it's uh, what you call uh, the aristocratic model, right? And fitting into that aristocratic model and uh, behaving in the kind of aristocratic or what you call cultured kind of way, right? Of course, whether it's Indian, the, the caste system in India, right? Or what is called Brahmanism in the West, right? That is trying to do what the upper caste, uh, upper classes do, right? And imitating the upper classes, right? That's the Marxist kind of critique, right? That the middle class uh, and the, the poor people actually try to imitate the upper classes, right? Yeah? And they slowly uh, get into that kind of uh, behavioral mode, right? So the, it's the aristocracy which is a kind of a model, and the idea is, uh, of course, that's, uh, that's a kind of uh, societal understanding, right? It's not that the aristocrats are not human and they don't have jealousies and they don't have hatreds and they don't have ups and downs, right? Yeah. But these are definitely aristocratic people with the amount of wealth that they have, right? And they're certainly not lower middle class people at all, right? Because they have enough of property. We remember that Jane has uh, 30,000 uh, pounds, right? Which is a lot of money, right? Yeah, and uh, the other people are talked about as 10,000 pounds, etc., right? So they're talking about how much money do people have, right? Yeah, and they're also talking about, so they're talking on two levels. We're talking about actual wealth, right? And uh, that's the capital, right? And we're also talking about the uh, cultural capital, right? And the cultural capital is seen in music, right? Uh, of course, in this chapter, chapter three, we are talking about, uh, we've already talked about the cultural capital in chapter two, when you're talking about Jane Fairfax, right? Yeah, and why do they have that problem with Jane Fairfax? It's because uh, Emma would like to think that she is the most cultured person in, um, in this little p uh, place that they're in, right? Yeah, and it, of course, uh, 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 a competitor on the cultural front is this woman called Jane uh, Fairfax, right? Whose uh, grandmother and aunt are not really a very wealthy lot of people, right? As you'll see very soon, right? Because they've sent them a portion of uh, pork, right? Uh, and the hind part of the pork and the loin part of the pork, right? So that's sent to them and they're talking about how to cook it and Mrs. Wooda, Mr. Wooda is also coming in with that, right? Yeah. So the idea is, do you roast it or how do you treat it? And um, that's the kind of 
uh, um, uh, discourse that they have, right? But what is important over here is that we're talking about culture and uh, the idea of the neoclassical culture, which we get because of uh, reading Addison, okay, especially the Kavali papers. So that there's a lot of that kind of stuff which is going on over here, and the idea of what is politeness, right? And that's of course something that's very very English. The the idea of politeness and how does politeness work in a small town, right? Yeah, and the culture of politeness which comes in is something that you find of uh, very. Of course, it's also imitated by a lot of people in uh, the high uh, IS kind of circles in India at colonial time, and also in the military, right? Yeah, and so you get a lot of people who try to imitate this kind of Englishness, right? Which is the idea of not showing your emotions, right, and uh, accepting that, well, somebody has uh, got uh, talents which are better than yours or as good as yours, right, all that kind of social grace is something that is a part of the, uh, the novel, right, yeah, and that's exactly uh, the idea of this Addison and Steele stuff settling down to the upper classes, right? Because uh, what happens over here is uh, we have Addison, right? Uh, uh, Addison actually talking about, uh, yeah, when I, I, I just talk about Addison in a bit, yeah? So the idea of the Kavali papers, which you might have heard of when you were doing your prose, right? If you've not read it, yeah? The Kavali papers is a very important kind of way of uh, actually dealing with uh, the culture, right? Yeah, and the idea of Englishness is something that comes up with the Kavali papers, right? Yeah, uh, so Addison and Steele are almost laying down the laws of how culture should work, right? And uh, they're talking about this idea of decency, uh, like what you get in uh, John Ruskin, who is much later, of course, that's in the Victorian age, He's talking about, if you have read his introduction to Unto This Last, he's talking about, first of all, you should be training people in gentleness, right? Yeah, and Roger the Kavali is actually uh, a kind of a person who is talking, uh, is a fiction, fictional character that is created by Addison, right? Joseph Addison is creating him, and he's very interesting to read because he's talking about... Uh, Roger the Kavali at church, Roger the Kavali here, Roger the Kavali there, right? Yeah, and this is a kind of, uh, the manners of Roger the Kavali is supposed to have been inherited by a lot of people, right? Yeah, and actually what you have over here uh, is this idea that uh, you get Mr. Knightley and Mr. Woodhouse uh, probably being influenced by that kind of uh, uh, cultural transformation or cultural model, if you like, right? Uh, of course, it seems that that is the case, right? But uh, whether they were directly influenced by the reading or not, right, at least uh, Jane Austen is, and she's creating this kind of ambience where the people actually behave like that, and perhaps they did, right? Because they've slowly moved away from, 
the idea of culture, the idea of uh, high breeding, the idea of uh, uh, politeness, right? All these things have happened, right? And uh, what is happening over here is they're talking about how, what is your attitude to Jane Fairfax? Fairfax, right? Yeah, that's what uh, Mr. Woodhouse and uh, Mr. Knightley are talking about, right? And uh, so they're talking about this idea of music and uh, I'm sure Miss Fairfax must have found the evening very pleasant, Emma. Uh, you left nothing undone. I was glad you made a play so much for having no instrument at the grandmother's. It must have been a real indulgence, right? So the idea is you have to be polite with the people who you're maybe even very jealous of, right? So that the jealousy and all is kept down, right? Of course, if it was today's world, people would talk about the jealousy quite openly, right? And say, well, I'm really jealous of Jane Fairfax, right? Fairfax, because uh, of her man, right? Or other, the other reaction is to imitate Jane Fairfax, because according to Roger de Cavalli, right? He is talking about how things happen in the village, right? Roger de Cavalli, uh, what's his name? Uh, Addison, right? He's talking about the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the dress of people, right? And he's talking about a nightgown, and uh, yeah, and he's talking about how people do not know how to wear these clothes, and these are French clothes, and in the villages, they're using a nightgown as a, a, as a dress uh, uh, in the open, right? Yeah, so that's something that uh, is a comment upon, right? And uh, Addison's comment is upon that, look, uh, in the villages, things take a long time to change. In the city, it doesn't take a long time to change. Right? Yeah. So the idea is these culture, this cultural uh, practice will go on for a long time, and if people are not aware of the culture, that's exactly what's going to happen to them. Right? So the idea of cultural awareness is something that comes up with Addison and Steele, and with that cultural awareness, we're talking about Englishness. Right? I'm sure that you've already studied this because you might have studied all these things in prose. Right? Uh, in the Poros course at least, right? And what is important over here is they're talking about uh, how you to be polite and you to be good and you've actually made a play so much. So the whole idea of music and the bourgeois kind of culture with the piano, etc. is something that happens, right? I'm happy you approved, said Emma, smiling, but I hope I'm not often deficient in what is due to guests at half, uh, Hartfield, right? No, my dear, said her father instantly, that I'm sure, I'm sure that you are not. There is nobody half so attentive and civil as you are. If anything, you are too attentive. The muffin last night, if it hadn't been handed round once, I think it would have been enough, right? Yeah, so now he's talking about how do you behave to guests, right? So the focus is how do you deal with your emotions, right? How do you deal politely with people, right? Yeah, and we know that there is also an emotional storm that is brewed, right? The emotional storm is with Mr. Elton proposing 
or making suggestions that he was interested in Emma, right? Yeah, and that's of course in a moment of drunkenness he says all these things. That's one, right? We also know that the emotional storm and the heartache or, or the insult that uh, Harriet Smith has given uh, Robert Martin, right, is something that's uncomfortable for her because she can't go back to him and say, well, I'm sorry for what I said and, uh, uh, well, let's, let's go ahead. And, yeah, but she comes to know that Elton is not interested in her, right? So all those kind of things are going on, right? And these are the emotional, right? And the other is what's happening outside in society and you have this neoclassical kind of behavior which is still settled up, right? Yeah? And, and here you have the idea that you have what you call jealousy or some kind of comparison between Emma and Jane Fairfax, right? And actually Jane, uh, Emma is feeling very uncomfortable that perhaps Jane Fairfax is more beautiful than she is and also she is more uh, accomplished socially or what you call more uh, civil, right? That's one, not civil, not even civil. The, the word of course is more sophisticated because of her, uh, her exposure to city life, right? So more cultured, more, uh, yeah, so all that kind of thing is what is happening, right? And here you have this thing which Jane Austen has created, which is how the men are so detached, right? And this is a kind of a cat fight, right? Yeah, it's a kind of a, a very, very womanly thing where uh, a one woman is very jealous of another woman, right? Yeah, so what does a woman do in such situations, right? Where one woman, and this is just plain human, right? And it's only that uh, women are more sensitive, right? Women are more emotional uh, by and large, right? Yeah, and that's why they probably uh, don't hide it, right? Men probably are trained, not trained to hide their feelings, right? Yeah, and it's only in some moments like in drunkenness, right? Or it's in... Uh, a moment of masculinity, right, that the guard of men might be let down in this very kind of patriarchal and very cultured kind of setting, right? A very restricted, conservative society, yeah, and men are not supposed to show their emotions, right? Women might, right? And even then, you find that they're covering up what they actually feel, right? That's part of what you call the polite hypocrisies, right? Yeah, so I might hate you. But, well, I have to be very polite, right? And <laughs> so that's something that a lot of people also imitate in India, right? Yeah, because of all these kind of novels, right? And uh, it's, uh, yeah, you, you get this idea of these people who are, uh, who actually are, what's it called? Who, who actually think some other people are disgusting or lower than them, but they talk very nicely to them and very politely to them, right? Yeah, so that's, uh, and of course, in English, uh, ELT, we have, uh, not only ELT, yeah, in linguistics, we have the politeness principle and the cooperative principle, right? Yeah, and I remember my teacher, Uday Kumar, who, uh, who we met after many, many years, because I didn't know why he left the department then, right? But, 
Um, yeah, he says, well, at that point of time in the English department in Pune University, there was too much of the politeness principle, right? Yeah, and that's funny. That's very important because unless you understand what's going on, you can't understand the politeness principle and uh, yeah, who are the people responsible, right? Yeah. So what is actually happening over here is you're talking about the fact that they talk about attentive and civil, right? And you're, you're talking about the uh, muffin, right? And you shouldn't have given another round of muffins. One round was, would be enough, right? Nothing excessive, right? The second round of muffins may have been excessive, right? And that's what's very interesting about the English. They don't eat very much, right? Yeah, so you have the five-course meal which is served and you can't go on eating, uh, no, certainly not like us, because we keep eating a lot, right? As compared to this um, um, idea of the, the English, right? You have your five-course meal and every portion is limited, right? And you don't ask for any more, right? And that's why we have that famous line in David Copperfield, right? Which is, sir, can I have some more, right? Yeah, Oliver Twist, right? Yeah. Oliver Twist? Yes. Right. Oliver Twist, right? So that it becomes uh, an, an issue because that's gruel, right? Gruel is some soup, which is almost very watery soup, right? Yeah. So, uh, and of course, that's in the warehouse where he stays, right? He's taken to the warehouse, right? Uh, yeah. So, what is interesting is we are talking about culture, right? And we're talking about nightly, right? And no, said Mr. Knightley, uh, nearly at the same time, you are not often deficient. Not often deficient either in manner or comprehension. I think you understand me therefore, right? Yeah. So he says, well, uh, you are, he's actually saying, you are the perfect host, right? And uh, you have to treat the guest very well. That's a part of the politeness principle, right? Yeah. And of course, they've also referring to uh, the idea of yeah what we know of uh, Emma is that she's not able to control her emotion and wants to get out right because she actually feels that Jane Fact Fairfax is far superior to her in beauty and in culture right yeah uh, yeah so that's the kind of comparison that's going on and arc look expressed I understand you well enough but she said only, Mr. Fairfax, uh, Miss Fairfax is reserved, right? Yeah. Now the question is, that's the, the crux of the matter is, you, in polite society, you don't say all these things. You say, well, Miss Fairfax is reserved, right? So that's an understatement, right? Which is interesting because we know the context, right? Yeah, we've already been shown how Jane, uh, Emma has behaved and we're talking about how how you have the emotions, right? So one is the emotion and one is the exterior, the social kind of face that you put up with, right? And you have to be polite all the time. That's typically English. I always told you she was a little, but you would uh, soon overcome all that part of the reserve which ought to be overcome. All that is, uh, has its foundation in diffidence. What arises from uh, direction must be Honor. Yeah, discretion must be honored, right? 
Yeah, you think her diffidence. I did not see it. Yeah, uh, my dear Emma. So the idea is diffidence is. Uh, so that's what perhaps Knightley says, right? That is, uh, you you're talking about her being reserved, right? And Knightley thinks that is diffidence, right? And diffidence is not wanting to act, right? So that uh, we are talking about two qualities which the English uh, normally uh, refer to, the idea of being reserved, that is not coming out and not showing your personality, not showing your likes and dislikes, right? So we talk about, and that's exactly where the English differs so much from the Americans, right? The Americans like to make a loud kind of uh, self-statement, right? Okay, and like to say, you know, this is what I like and that's what I like. I, oh yeah, I like this and I like that, right? The English will be more reserved and not show their personality too much, right? So the idea of being reserved is a kind of a high quality among English kind of manners and behavior, right? And here you, uh, so the idea of is she reserved or is she diffident, right? Is she a person who's not very sure about herself, right? Yeah. And uh, 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 so you think her diffident, I did not see it, right? Now I think uh, Emma might be saying that, right? Yeah. My dear Emma said he, moving from his chair, from his chair into one close to her, you are not going to tell me, I hope that you had not a pleasant evening. Oh no, I was pleased, right? So here we are talking about Jane Fairfax coming to the house and having a pleasant evening and all that kind of thing. Yeah, so that's one of the things that's going on, right? And, uh, oh no, I was pleased with my own perseverance in asking questions and amused to think how little information I obtained, right? Yeah, so now the question is, these are very, very political kind of statements that are being made, right? They're statements that are made, uh, which is talking about English manners, English customs, right? And how do you uh, uh, have barbs against somebody in a most polite manner, right? So she says, well, I was, I, I was very happy about the way I behave, right? Yeah, she's actually saying that, right? And, uh, and of course, I asked so many questions and this woman didn't give me the reply or the answer. Right? Yeah? So actually she's saying, well, she's overshrewd. Right? Yeah? Because the person who doesn't give you answers to questions, right, and evades a question is a kind of, one, you might say very cultured, that's being generous to the person. The other is to say that, well, that's very cultured, but this very uh, shrewd. Right? And this kind of, and that's the way that the English are. Right? They won't give you too much of information, right? Uh, so I'm sorry, I have to take a diversion over there. And if you've heard, uh, since you're doing linguistics and ELT, yeah, uh, we talk about this idea of, uh, yeah, who is this guy? Uh, yeah, Sol? Uh, no, it's Sol, it's not Sol. Yeah, it's Kant who does it. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the the, the thinker, yeah, but it appears in uh, Roger Fowler's uh, stylistics, right? Stylistics of the novel or something, right? He's talking about 
the quality, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's Searle's principles, if I'm not wrong. If I'm wrong, I'll check it up and let you know, right? Yeah, the axiom of quality, the axiom of quantity, the axiom of manner, right? Yeah, so the question is, you're not supposed to say more than is required, right? That's quantity, right? Quality, always speak the truth, right? Don't speak any untruth, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's Searle. I'm sure that it's Searle, right? Yeah. And uh, the other one is uh, quality, quantity, yeah. Uh, so uh, qu quantity is don't speak too much, don't speak too little. Speak the right amount, right? Yeah. Uh, the next one is uh, 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 quality, that is speak all, only speak the truth, don't uh, uh, speak any untruths, right? Yeah. Uh, Relevance, right? Unless something is relevant, don't uh, indulge in it, whether it's written or spoken, right? And the fourth one is uh, what is it? Quantity, quality, relevance, and manner. Yeah, how you say it, right? Yeah. So these are the the four axioms, right? By uh, which you, uh, it's actually got something to do with the speech act theory. Yeah. And so these are. Uh, important, right? And of course, in literature, they're always overdone or underdone, right? And even in real life, right? We don't, sometimes, we don't say, uh, only some people are very, very careful and cautious can do this, right? Yeah? That is, I give you less information than is required, right? Like, for instance, if you say, well, are you a professor? I said, no, I'm just a teacher, right? Yeah? And that, so that's giving you less information, right? But it's not wrong, it's only less, right? Yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah, that's what happened to one of our teachers who was a rich man, of course, right? And he was from Banaras, right? He was a professor of English, right? And he was traveling on a train and somebody asked him, uh, yeah, this was part of the first lecture, I think, uh, I had in the MA, right? Yeah, uh, somebody asked him and said, well, uh, what, do you, what do you do? So he said, I teach. Okay. So he said, well, since he was tra traveling first class, and first class was a great thing uh, 30 years ago, right? How many people traveled by first class train? Yeah, the first class compartment was only one. And that, yeah, so he says, well, it's great to know that teachers are earning so much money in India that they're traveling first class, right? Yeah. And then he said, which school do you work in? And then he said, I work in the university pool. Oh, he said, well, you're a, prof a professor. A yes, that's it, right? Yeah, so that's giving less information, right? Yeah, but it's not wrong, right? If you get give less information, that's kind of modesty, right? Yeah, uh, so that's one, right? And uh, then the question of quantity, right? We So, uh, so it's, uh, quantity has been violated, right? But quantity, uh, quality is not, right? And then the manner is also politeness and humble, right? So that's okay, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, right? So okay, and relevance, right? So it's relevant not to boast around, right? So the relevance is, you're, you're talking about it and it's relevant, right? So whatever you say has to be relevant, right? Yeah, so quality, quantity, relevance and manner, right? So these are uh, this, uh, the ideas of uh, 
uh, yeah, the, uh, the maxims, right? Yeah, these are the maxims which we are not supposed to violate. And in literature, you normally find that. And even in life, we always speak more or we speak less, right? Yeah, and especially uh, you find this idea of overlocatiousness in women, right? Which is supposed to uh, be associated with women and madness for one. I don't know how that is, right? But uh, some people like to be more articulate and like to over-lexicalize, right? And we call it verbosity in English, right? That is when, uh, of course, today there's a new word which I find very interesting. It's called gaslighting, right? Where you actually treat a woman or as a person who doesn't understand and try to explain it to her, right? Of course, uh, it's happened the other way with me, right? This servant maid constantly, when I, the, a very, very obvious thing, she'll explain it to me and uh, try to explain it to me as if I'm uh, a two-year-old or a three-year-old child, right? Yeah, and I said, well, I mean, there's no need of explaining it so much, right? But gaslighting is this kind of thing that men do, which is about thinking that women don't understand, right? And of course, that's not happened over here because we have the idea is that if they're talking about in manner and comprehension, right? You're intelligent and your behavior and your intelligence are balanced. So they're still talking in neoclassical language, right? Yeah, so all that is happening over here, right? And then uh, they also talk about, uh, uh, oh no, I was pleased with my own perseverance and asking questions and amused to think how little information I obtained, right? Now that's a very clever English way of doing and poking a bar with somebody, right? And unless somebody understands the background, they won't understand, right? Yeah, and so one is, it's, it's not straight. It's not telling us what it's, she's thinking, right? So does she think, one, that this Jane Fairfax is a shrewd woman who is shrewd because she lives in the city, right? That's a possibility, right? Yeah, and the other is that she's dumb and therefore she, I don't get the information, right? That's not implied. It's more that she's a shrewd woman, right? And that's why I don't get the information, right? Or that she doesn't have the means uh, of actually saying this because uh, she's very uh, very poor in her experience or poor in her life or living or something of the sort, right? Yeah, or economically poor, right? I'm disappointed was his only answer. I hope everybody, yeah? So he understood what she said. I'm disappointed was the only answer. I hope everybody has had a pleasant evening, said Mr. Woodhouse, in his quiet way. I had once, I felt the fire rather too much, but then I moved my chair back a little, a little, and I don't, uh, it didn't disturb me. Miss Bates was very chatty and good-humoured, as she always is, though she speaks rather too quickly, right? Now you get all these barbs, right? So Miss Bates is chatter, chatty and good-humoured, right? But she speaks too quickly, right? So the English speak very slowly. Right? So a person speaking very quickly, uh, uh, that's something that is too much for him. Right? So the question is the right tempo, the right speed. Right? So that's, uh, yeah. However, she is very agreeable and Mrs. Bates too in a different way. I like old friends and Miss Jane Fairfax is a very pretty sort of young lady. A very pretty and a very well-behaved young lady indeed. She must have had found the evening agreeable, Mr. Knightley, because she had ever, right? Now, 
She's saying that, well, she had Emma, so she must be very happy. And Mr. Woodhouse is not aware of what in psychology you call the undercurrent. Right? Yeah? On the surface, everything is smooth, all is polite, but you have the undercurrent over here. And she says, well, it must have been very good for her because Emma was here, right? And Emma must have found it nice also, and it was very pleasant, and we have a lot of pleasant company, right? Yeah? So the undercurrent is what we're talking about, right? From the last chapter, we have the undercurrent continuing over here, right? And, and of course, the, the last chapter, the, it was no, not so much of an undercurrent. You actually got this idea of this kind of surge of jealousy and the surge of anger and the surge of being uncomfortable with the fact that Jane Fairfax is actually more accomplished than her, right? Or she would think is more accomplished than her, right? Or has more opportunities than her. And, of course, the idea of birth, right? Yeah? Uh, like, for instance, uh, yeah, there was somebody, uh, yeah, this is my first encounter in Gujarat, right, where this clerk of mine was taking me around the place, right? And he was talking about somebody who was a tribal, right? And he had been, he had converted to Christianity, and he's saying, well, he's got everything, right? So that's, that's the kind of thing, yeah? So feeling jealous about him. So I said, well, if you want that, why don't you convert and why don't you do all that if you think that it's so simple, right? Yeah, yeah. so that's as interesting as it gets. Yeah, so uh, you're saying that, well, there's an equality and maybe the person is even better than I am, right? Yeah, so if that's exactly the problem that we have in India, right? Yeah, so a Dalit is not supposed to be more cultured than us. That's, that's the, uh, the way this man spoke, right? And of course, I was very, very ignorant at that point of time. And I didn't even understand where he was coming from, right? Today, of course, I'm more uh, mature and wisened up about all those things, thanks to all the debates that we've had about Dalit studies, etc. Right? Yeah, but when we get into this culture studies of England, you can see what is going on. And that's why I'm taking some trouble to go slow over here, right? And uh, Emma saw his anxiety, yeah, uh, true sir, right, said Emma, and Emma, true sir and Emma, because she had Miss Fairfax, right? So that's uh, the other one, right? Yeah, she must have had found everything agreeable, Mr. Knightley, because she had Emma, true sir, and Emma, because she had Miss Fairfax. Now, he's doing something which is very... <laughs> which is something that is very male, right? And very disgustingly male. He's trying to actually uh, uh, tease Emma, right? Yeah. And Emma also, yeah, must have been very happy because she had Fairfax, right? Yeah. And uh, that's, and of course, it's done very sophisticatedly because uh, it's talking as if I don't even consider the fights between these two women, right? Yeah? And I'm being fair and equal, right? Yeah? If you say this is true, then the other thing is also true, right? Yeah? And this is what happens in a, a community where there's a lot of matchmaking, right? If you praise the, the man, then they say, well, the woman is also very talented or very educated or very rich, or whatever that is, and you find a kind of a balance or you, you try to balance out things, right? Yeah, so that's what's going on and that's uh, behind what we, what we are studying, right? Uh, she's 
a sort of elegant creature that one cannot keep one's eyes from. Yeah, Emma saw his anxiety, right, and wished to appease it, at least for the present, said and with a sincerity which one could not question, right? Now, Emma's playing it true. Maybe Emma actually says, well, so what? If she is that way, she is that way, right? And one couldn't question. So we, are, we know what people say, but what are happening inside them? That's, a, that's what's going on over here, right? She's a sort of elegant creature that one cannot keep one's eyes from. I am always watching her to admire and I do pity her from my heart, right? Yeah? <laughs> She's saying, well, I admire her, but I also pity her, right? Yeah? And I think, uh, I don't know whether uh, you were there for this play called Ultiva, right? Which was uh, staged at the, this uh, Forum for Contemporary Theory. I think it was not allowed at the faculty, right? But it was, I saw it at the Forum for Contemporary Theory, right? And it was also in the science block and in the journalism department, but I think the English, the, the faculty of arts didn't allow it to happen, right? And I had a problem, a very serious problem with it, and I hope all my friends who took part, I hope none of you are there, right? But if you were, I'm saying that straight, right? Because I, I don't have uh, this kind of British politeness at all, right? Yeah? Uh, and I actually brought this up, and I actually told uh, the people over there who had acted, and I put up the play, they had this Gibran poetry, right? Pity the nation. Pity the nation, pity the nation, yeah, and going on with that. I said, well, how can you even use this kind of poet, right? Because Gibran is sitting in the United States and is talking, he's a Lebanese, right? Yeah, Palestine, yeah, so he's a Palestinian Lebanese, if I'm not wrong, right? Yeah, and he's writing his poetry in the United States where he's very comfortable, away from all the political action and all the kind of horrible things that are happening to the Palestinians in the Gulf countries, right? Yeah. Uh, basically because of Israel and all those kind of things, right? And I said, when you say pity the nation, how can you say that, right? Because you're actually saying, we are what, for, what your play is showing is, you're, we are watching our own death, right? Yeah. You're actually showing the conditions of India, right? You're con showing how we're actually suffering uh, not only economically, but communally, politically, and all those kind of things. That's what your play is showing. But you're saying pity the nation, and pity the nation means I'm in a superior position and you're in an inferior position, right? Yeah. And of course, there's one of my friends, and we had a big argument and discussion after that, not with the people over there, but uh, who acted, right, and not, not even with Shakti Bhai, the director, right? But I said the same thing to him. I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not hidden it from him at all, right? And uh, so I had a, a discussion with a friend of mine, and she said, well, I can say pity up uh, Anil Ambani, right? I said, of course, that's exactly proves my point, right? When if you say pity Anil Ambani, why are you doing that, right? Because you have got a PhD, you've got a lot of academic knowledge, right, which he hasn't, right, yeah, so when you're talking about pitting him, just because he's got economic wealth, you've got cultural wealth, and that's exactly the point, right, so unless you're in a superior position, you don't say pity anybody, right, yeah, so what she's doing is, yeah, I'm always watching her to admire her, right, so she's saying, well, the beauty is natural, right, 
The accomplishments also I admire, right? The culture also I admire, but I also pity her, right? Because of what she's born with or what she's lost, right? And we know what it is. That is, her parents died, right? And somebody else had to bring her up, right? And she's acquired all the wealth. Uh, she's acquired all the wealth of culture, and uh, she's got this natural good looks at one level, but she doesn't have parents, right? Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that is said, right? Uh, so that's the way of passing a comment, and this is uh, how do you. It's a very very shrewd way of talking, right? Yeah. So when we're talking about talking and we're talking about English society, right? This is something very shrewd, yeah. And of course. The comment by Jane Austen is Emma saw his anxiety and wished, wishing to appease it, at least for the present, said, and with a sincerity which no one else could question. Right? So why is she saying that? Because we can question the sincerity. Right? The way she said it is, it looks very genuine, but it could always be. So the tone of your voice might show the well I feel, but the word pity gives it everything away. Right? Yeah. Mr. Knightley looked uh, as if he was, uh, he were more gratified than he cared to express. And before he could make any reply, Mr. Woodhouse, whose thoughts were on the bits, said, It is a great pity that their circumstances should be so confused. A great pity indeed. And I have often wished, but it was so little one can venture to do, some small trifling presence or anything uncommon. Now we have killed a poker, right? Now that's the question of uh, they have a farm, they have a pig, right? And uh, uh, pork, that's the meat of the pig, is a delicacy, right? So they're talking about uh, this kind of a, a pork chop kind of thing, right? Which, of course, you have to pay quite a lot for, right? Yeah, and uh, so he says, we, so he's talking about pity in this economic manner and what happens with that pity? We see this in Bill Gates. We see this in the American kind of philanthropy, right? When we say, well, give India all this, right? Give them so, many, so much of money, right? So that's exactly what he's doing. We are rich. We've got power, right? And that's what we call patronizing, right? Yeah, it's actually what we call a patron and patronizing. So he says, well, send them. Uh, we can only uh, do something because I pity them, right? I'm sending them all these gifts, right? So that when, so that they have a happy Christmas and a happy Christmas time, right? Yeah. So that's what he's talking about. But the whole pity comes from the idea of they are impoverished. We have got, of course, it's generous and it's very nice in that, right? But at the other level, it's this attitude of uh, being patronizing, right? Yeah. And probably the best thing to do would be to say, well, uh, let them manage with what they have, right? Yeah. Don't don't be patronizing over there, right? Yeah. And I always have a problem, especially after the lockdown and all that kind of thing, because there's a limbo pani wala, there's a the chai wali, there's the peanut wala who I used to buy occasionally from, right? But every time I see them, and I know that everything is terrible, right? So I deliberately buy something from them, right? Yeah. And sometimes I begin to wonder, am I doing the right thing or the wrong thing, right? Am I treating them in a patronizing manner, right? Yeah. But they really require the money because they're getting very depressed, right? I think uh, we all know that and it's very sad to see uh, that people are actually, of course, the 
the condition is a little better today, right? But uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, when the lockdown had just uh, opened, right? O uh, unlock one, right? Yeah. You could see the desperation on all these people because uh, they didn't have money and they couldn't beg. They can't beg, right? So somebody told me, why don't you just give them the money? I said, how can I do that? That'll be insulting them, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because people are very frightened about getting the virus yourself, right? Yeah. So that's something that we have to think about, right? Uh, yeah. Now, uh, the next thing is about the pork roast and what do they use and how do they use the pork roast and all those kind of things, right? So that's something else that happens, right? Uh, yeah. And then what happens further is uh, that you get a new kind of uh, twist in the story, right? Anybody wants to ask anything about this because I hope I've not been very unclear about it, right? And I've tried to make it as clear as possible because it's a question of language, right? And uh, I don't know whether uh, all our students are equipped enough to understand these complexities, right? Yeah, because uh, uh, I've actually seen people doing all these things that doing here. I don't know whether they model themselves on this, right? But I think it's a lot of influence of this book has gone into a lot of circles, especially of the uh, the people I know who went to ICSE schools, etc. Right? Yeah. So maybe they've actually learned a lot of things from here, right? Which is interesting, uh, given the fact that we are not English and our cultures are different, right? Yeah. But with all that, right? It's almost entwining this kind of uh, uppityness, I would call, right? Uh, call it, right? With the idea of the caste and class kinds of systems that we have in our own country, right? And the idea of sophistication and who are you and all those kind of things, right? Yeah, right? Because uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember my, some of my family members who had, who were very, very big shots in Delhi, right? And they would, they would ask, well, what is this person's designation, right? Yeah, so the question is, if you're in Bombay, how much does a person have, right? Yeah, what is the status? What kind of a flat do you have, right? I remember all those questions uh, when I was a child, right? So when we, uh, when we went and visited somebody, they said, well, these are people staying in Pedder Road, right? So they must be very rich and they're very sophisticated. Yeah, so the richness becomes sophistication, right? Yeah, in uh, yeah, all, all that uh, South Bombay area, that, that's a kind of status symbol that you have in Bombay, right? If you go to Delhi, who do you know, right? What, okay? So if you know uh, the general of the army, right? If you know some uh, very, very, of course in Delhi, of course, almost every second person is a big shot, right? Yeah, but if you go, know some real higher up, right? Then of course, uh, it matters, right? So when you say, well, I actually saw this at a, at a party, right? Uh, when one person asked another person, she said, you know, my brother-in-law is in Delhi. And she said, well, he's working for the government. So what is his designation, right? So people actually ask you all those things, right? And of course, in a very sophisticated style, right? So that's something that is going on over here, right? And uh, you find all that happening. And now, of course, the node comes in when uh, you come to know that, uh, where is this uh, thing, right? Uh, that this man called Mr. Elton, right? Yeah, who's saying this? Uh, yeah. I'm quite overpowered. So, 
Yeah, so this woman, Mrs. Bates, come, Miss Bates comes in. Oh, my dear, sir, how are you this morning? My dear Miss Woodhouse, I come quite overpowered. Such a beautiful hindquarter folk, right? You are too bountiful. Have you heard the news, right? And this is, she, she's saying this, Mr. Elton is going to be married, right? So that's another twist, right? So you have, the first twist is when... Uh, Harriet talks about uh, Robert Martin, right? And uh, Emma deflects it, right? And tells her to refuse the proposal, right? The second twist is when uh, Emma uh, tries to make this match between uh, Mr. Elton and Harriet, right? And of course, uh, that goes on for some time till. Uh, uh, Elton reveals that he's not interested in Harriet but is interested in Emma, right? Yeah, and then Emma turns that proposal down, right? Yeah, or treats it in a very sophisticated manner as if uh, Elton is drunk, right? Yeah, now what happens is you have a twist over here and Elton is got engaged to be married, right? And then the question is where and whom is he going to get married? So that's a question. And he's going to marry this woman from uh, Miss Hawkins. Yeah. And she is from a Bath, right? Yeah. So you know Bath. Bath is a, a place very close to uh, Canterbury, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, almost there, right? Yeah. So, uh, so you have her and she's from Bath, not very far from London, right? But what you have over there is. This is this person from this place, right? And who is she? And then after that, you come to know after a, a lot of discussion that she is a merchant's daughter, right? And Emma looks down on that, right? Yeah. The idea of the aristocrat's daughter, that is a person who is gained wealth from the father and forefather and all those kind of things. And the merchant is thought of as lower than an aristocrat, right? If you read Trevelyan, you'll find that you have the lord of the the lord of the manor and the, the merchant class, which comes up because of all the trade, right? And the merchant class uh, develops very much without having uh, just selling, collecting goods and selling them. Actually, it's wool making, so it's wool and cotton and cloth, woolen cloth, right? Uh, that's what England exports and. Uh, that's how the merchant class develops. Of course, there is also the industrial revolution, which slowly takes place, right? And that's when you have the journeyer and you have the master craftsman, etc., right? But marriage is by and large a way to change status, right? Yeah. So a person who is not very rich, and that's what we have in many of the novels, right? Uh, whether it's male, uh, it's normally a woman. Okay, from a poorer family gets married to a person from a richer family, right? Yeah, and that's how they go up the ladder, right? Yeah, of course in India you have uh, in both ways, right? You have a lot of people, uh, I'm uh, the dowry, okay? Or I'm the property of the wife, right? That's the tragedy over here, right? Yeah, so, uh, so that's one class of people. That, and what happens is when she says that she's the merchant class, right? Yeah, I'll take, uh, yeah. Then that becomes an issue, right? Because that's where she counts for 
herself as superior, right? Yeah, so that's one. And then of course, uh, before I forget, the 10,000 pounds, right? So she also got 10,000 pounds, right? So yeah, maybe uh, please read all these chapters and come tomorrow, right?